Well, like Pastor Rodney said, we're going to continue our series this morning, so I'm going to dive right into it in 1 John chapter 5. This is the fifth week of going through the uh, 1 John, the fifth chapter today. So as we get into it, I want to encourage you to just keep your heart open and receptive to what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you today. And I really believe that if you'll hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, you're going to discover to a greater degree, how much God loves us. And not only loves us, but how much he loves me, loves you personally, that you can make it a personal uh, revelation rather than just a, a corporate revelation, which is wonderful, but even on a personal level, God loves each one of you individually. Uh, John was written, as we mentioned, from the, from the very first week. It was, it was uh, written... To the church, he had a twin agenda in doing so. Number one was to expose false teachers, and then uh, number two was to resource those who were staying faithful to the truth about Jesus Christ, to resource them, uh, to, uh, to just really remind them, to encourage them, and just really get the, the, the church to understand that God loves them, and because God loves them, God is in them, that do, they have all that they have need of. They are resourced with every resource that they have need of to overcome the world. And so when you read through the letters of, of John, he keeps repeating over and over again. You might think, well, he's very redundant. It is very redundant, but it's, on, it's purposeful so that we understand and really grasp the revelation of, that Jesus loves you. God loves you, and he has manifested himself to you, and that how, as a result of his love, that transforming power that has taken place in our lives has come, as, as we have come into the love of God, that that transformation is, is the resource that we need, it's the energy that we need, it's the power that we need, the spirit that we have need of to overcome the Antichrist spirit of the world. We are world overcomers. <laughs> Now, I don't think your response matched what I just said. I said, we are world overcomers. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, in 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to read a couple of verses at the end of the chapter because I really think it, it, it summarizes not only chapter 5, but it really summarizes the entire letter. And then we'll go back and, and make some comment on it and believe that it'll really uh, just solidify your faith and, and, and in you knowing that God loves you and you knowing that you have victory over the, the world system. Uh, let's begin reading at verse 18. 1 John chapter 5 says, We know... That God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. Verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Verse 20. And we know. You see a pattern here? We know. That's the subtitle for today's message. We know. Verse 18 begins with we know. Verse 19, we know. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep 
or guard. Be diligent and alert. Never be passive in this. So dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. I thank you as we look into the, in, into the word, Father. I thank you that your word is alive and it's living and it's, it's bringing life and, and power and, and revelation of your love into our lives this day in Jesus' name. Amen. So John writing to the believers here for having believed, having believed, they now need to know with every fiber of their being that they possess eternal life and that they have victory over the power of sin and death, victory over the Antichrist system of this world. And so he closes out the letter, summarizes it with, with three bold, we know statements. The first statement in verse 18 says, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Now, a legalist People that are, have a tendency to be legalistic in their, in their walk, or we call it religion, or being legalistic, however you want to refer to it as, you know, they, they, they uh, have a tendency to be judgmental and thinking, well, that person is sinning, is, uh, has committed a sin, so that person must not really be a Christian. Have you ever heard that? You must not really be a Christian. Perhaps you even wrestled with it in your own life. Well, perhaps I'm not really born again. Perhaps it wasn't for real. And perhaps, you know, because, you know, I, I, I know I accepted Christ as my Savior and my, in my heart of hearts. I know I want to walk with God and serve God, but I, I, I've struggled in this area and, and it's not pleasing to God. And so perhaps I'm not even born again because the scripture tells us that, you know, we don't make a practice of sinning. I want you to focus on the word practice. It says we don't practice sinning. As we don't habitually go around, purposely go around sinning each and every day. We don't make a practice of, of uh, committing intentional, willful acts against God. The Bible does not say anywhere in its teaching that and when, once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you begin your walk with him as a, as a born-again child of God, you have received the gift of righteousness. You are created uh, uh, holy and blameless and without reproach in the sight of God. You stumbling, missing the mark is what sin means. You sinning does not take that reality away. Now, don't let that suck all the oxygen out of your air, all right? I'm not giving people permission to sin. I don't need to do that. You've already been sinning with my, without my permission, all right? So that's not the purpose of this. That's not the purpose of me stating this. The purpose of me stating this is to bring assurance into your life that you have passed from death unto life and that you are a child of God, that God's spirit abides within you. We know... We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning for God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. God's children, born again of God, and Jesus is holding us securely. I want to just take a few moments and reinforce this from looking into the book of Romans. So turn with me, if you would, to, if you have your Bible, if you're following along in the Bible. If not, it's up here on the screen or on your phones, wherever you may be reading this with me. But in Romans chapter 5, 
and also in chapter six. And if you want to have some more resources to really uh, reinforce what I'm, I'm sharing with you this morning, uh, pick up your, your, the Bible and read the book of Hebrews and especially focus on Hebrews chapter nine and 10. And just really read that and understand it. It gives you, a, it, in Hebrews, it's contrasting the, the old covenant, the shedding of blood of the animals to atone for your sin, which meant that the shedding of an innocent animal's blood would atone, it would cover over your sin, but it had to be repeated every year because there was still a consciousness of sin. But under the new covenant, Jesus Christ, the word of God teaches us, when Jesus shed his blood at Calvary's cross, he shed his blood, everyone say this, once and for all. He shed his blood once and for all. That's why we are able to live without a sin consciousness, but rather we are to develop our, our walk and our confidence in the love of God, that we have a, what we, the Bible refers to it as a righteousness consciousness. Notice you are this way. You have a right standing, a right standing with God mindset. You're not an you're not an habitual sinner. You are the righteousness of God. There's different uh, cliches, things that are common among Christians, and and some of them are fine, and some of them just you know they they, they irritate me. And one of them is when I hear people say, well, we're all sinners saved by grace. And it's, I don't know if it's just personal or if I'm right and the people say that are wrong. But anyway, I have a conflict with, I can't reconcile being saved by grace and being a sinner. Either I'm a sinner or I'm saved by grace. I can't be a sinner that's saved by grace because when you're saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner. So don't have that mindset and don't use that as an excuse when you miss it. When you miss it, you just simply miss it. You probably had a bad attitude and you were upset or you had unforgiveness or you were judgmental. And just admit it, you just missed it. You don't just say, well, we're just sinners saved by grace and I couldn't help it. You could help it, you got offended. And the Bible, you know, the love of God helps us not to get offended. And so that's why John is emphasizing the love of God. It's in our hearts. God loves us. And not that we loved him, but as, as was mentioned last week, that, that he loved us and he gave himself for us. So thank God that he is for us and that he loves us. So did you find Romans chapter 5? You should have told me that's what I was waiting for you to get there. But verse 16. Verse 16, now we're picking up here. I want to encourage you to read it in, in fullness for yourself to really become uh, grounded in this. But beginning in verse 16 of Romans 5, it says, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. It's talking, this is contrasting Adam's transgression in the Garden of Eden versus what he did compared to what Jesus, what he did righteously by going to the cross. For Adam's Sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death, through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have received God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. And all who said yes, all who have received that, you live in triumph over sin and death through the one man, Jesus Christ. You don't have this victory over sin in and of yourself because you're, you, you do good. You have this victory over sin and right, you have this victory over sin and death because you received, you humbled yourself and said, God, I am in need of a savior. I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior. And God's grace and righteousness has come to you and now causes you to triumph. Everyone say triumph over sin. That's the attitude, that's the mindset you want to be developing in your life, that you are triumphant over sin. You are not stumbling every time sin presents itself, every time offense presents itself, every time a judgmental attitude presents itself. Whatever is presenting itself to you, you don't need to be yielding to it. You have the ability to be triumphant over it. And thank God for it. Now, in chapter 6, Beginning at verse 6, it says, we know, have you heard that before? We know, that's what the apostle John was writing. Here Paul says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Then verse 8, and since we died with Christ, we know, everyone say, we know. We know we will also live with him. Verse 9 says, we are sure of this because Christ raised him from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Verse 14, then we'll get back to 1 John. Verse 14 of Romans chapter 6. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom. Everyone say freedom. Freedom of God's grace. Amen. Folks, that is good news. That's why we are to be living without a sin consciousness. That's why we are to be living with the attitude that I am more than a conqueror. That's why we live with the attitude that the, the, the world system has no power and no negative influence on me because the love of God rules and reigns in my heart and in my mind, and God has enabled me to overcome. We know. We know and we know. The second, back to 1 John chapter 5, the, the second we know statement is found in verse 19. It says, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. So this is a contrast that the fallen world, a contrast between the fallen world, which is under the control of the evil one, and our victory over the world. We know that the world system is under the sway of the evil one. We should not be surprised when people who are not born again, children of God, do and say the things that they do and they say. That should not be shocking all to us. We should not be impressed by that. I'm not amazed when I see a, a dog and the dog barks. That's what dogs do. 
I'm not, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. What's this world coming to? That dog is barking. <laughs> yeah, it's a dog. But Christians do that all the time when they see a sinner commit a sin or they, they hear them say the things that they say. Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Oh, I can't believe they said that. They're under the sway of the wicked one. What's so hard about believing that? It's what they do. Not that it's right, not that I condone it, but I'm not in shock by it. I'm not awed by it. I'm not impressed by it. And I'm not afraid of it. Because I know, we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Now, that also ties us back here, uh, uh, back to... Uh, in verse 19, where it says that we know that we are children of God and the, the world is under the control of the evil one. Just go back to the beginning of the chapter, of chapter 5. And in verse 4, it says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. See, either the Bible is true and we're going to take it as truth or we're just going to pick pieces that we like and let other pieces alone, parts of it. But it says, every child of God defeats this evil world. I asked you before, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you a child of God this morning? You have what you need to, to defeat this evil world. And it says, and we achieve this victory through our faith. We achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? It's one of the Apostle John's primary emphasis in writing this letter is that so people would believe that Jesus Christ indeed is God manifested in the flesh. That Jesus Christ has come from God. That he is the Son of God. You believe that. Do you believe that you believe it? And do you know that you believe it? You have what you need to overcome. You can win this battle. Notice it is a battle. There is resistance. There's nothing wrong with you because you're being attacked. It is a battle. You are a born-again child of God living in hostile territory. You are living in enemy territory. You're in this world. Not of the world, but in the world. Jesus' high priestly prayer, I, I, I chuckle almost every time I read it and I'm thinking, okay, I can, I can picture him praying, Lord, save them from the world, but don't take them out of the world. Leave them in the world so that the world will know you because they love one another. Lift them out of it, but leave them in it so that the world will know. So we're living in hostile territory. Don't allow what's going on in the world that's under the sway of the wicked one to discourage you and, and to take on a defeatist attitude and thinking, well, you know, this is just a losing battle. It's not a losing battle. We are on the winning team. I read the end of the book and we do win. Everyone likes great comebacks, don't we? Huh? We all like those last minute comebacks, don't we? We are on the winning team. Don't allow yourself to become discouraged about what's going on in the current climate of the culture. The culture, the current climate of the culture is under the sway of the wicked one. 
and the Bible, it's not a surprise to us that things are getting darker. And you're seeing and hearing things that you may have thought that I never thought I'd hear that or see that in my lifetime. But you're seeing that. It's It's under the sway of the wicked one. Wicked one. Not the nice one. The wicked one. So there's wickedness in the world. But we have the victory over it. We do not need to be yielding to it. Verse 4 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory, our faith. Everyone say, our faith. Now let's make it even more personal. Say, my faith. faith. Make this confession. My faith faith. in Jesus Christ Christ. is the victory victory. over the world. world. It's your faith that gives you the victory over the world. Faith is a subject in the Word of God that has been taught. I've taught it over the years. I continue to teach it. It, it's, it's, It's a very vital subject in the Word of God, but it also has been a lot of a misuse with the subject and how to apply it and so forth. But first and foremost, your faith in the Lordship of Jesus Christ is what gives you the victory over this evil world. You no longer need to be under the sway of the evil one because you have faith in God. And my faith in God, first and foremost, is that God so loved me that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to Calvary's cross to die for me. And because he died for me, he shed his blood to... Forgive me of my sin, and he did it once and for all. His word declares that because he did that, I believe that, I accepted that, that I am now presented before God as holy, righteous, blameless, without reproach in his eyes. Under the old covenant, when the family went to the, on the day of atonement, when the family went to atonement, the family went there, They had to take a lamb. And the priest would inspect the lamb. Everyone say the lamb. And the lamb being inspected and being proved to be perfect and innocent was slaughtered. And its blood was shed on behalf of the family. The priest didn't examine the families. Nothing changed with the family except the innocent lamb's blood was shed to cover over their faults, cover over their sins. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away, and we say, takes away the sin of the world. Now, did he take it away for you? Amen. So you're free. No longer a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. Now you are saved by grace. Yeah. Say, so, well, Pastor Ray, what happens if I sin? You confess to Jesus Christ. You repent of it and ask him to forgive you. First John 1, 9 says, and he forgives you and cleanses you of all on, prefix, all on righteousness. Now you are the righteousness of God. Amen? That's how much God loves you. That's how much he loves you. So make sure you know that. Make sure you know it. Your faith is the victory. The Bible talks a lot about faith. Jesus talked a lot about faith. He talked about people that had no faith. He talked about people that had little faith. And he talked about people that had great faith. But your faith in God, 
You are the steward of your faith. You are responsible for your faith to grow. I like to use this analogy. The day I have the same muscles in my body today as I did the day I was born on March 15th of 19, 2003. <laughs> All right, 1953. 1953. I have the same muscles today as I did the day I was born. My muscles are much more developed today than they were the day I was born. Your faith, God deposited within you a portion of faith when you were born again. You nurture it, you exercise it, you get it to grow. Are you much stronger today than you were the day that you were born again? Just as I am much stronger physically today than I was the day I was born, my faith is much stronger today than it was the day that I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But I must continue to exercise it. I must continue to exercise it. It won't just, it's not just static. It doesn't just stay there. It doesn't just stay sharp and just, just you know, it, it doesn't give me the victory of the world just automatically. I need to continue to develop it. One of my biggest disappointments when I did a marathon, my goal was to do a marathon before I turned 50. And I did it at 49 years old. And one of my biggest disappointments was this after that marathon, I was so tired of running. I was so tired of Grings Mill Trail System. I didn't want to see it again. And I took two weeks off and think, I'm not even going to go down there. I don't want to see it. I don't want to run again. And after about two weeks, I thought, well, I'm just going to go down there and run six miles. Piece of cake, right? I just ran 26. I went down there and I could barely get six miles. I thought, my gosh, this is not fair. Your muscles should be good for the rest of your life after you train for a marathon. <laughs> it, it should just work that way. If you build yourself up to do a marathon, it, now, now, you, now you got it. Now you're a marathoner. You should just be able to do it. Right, Pat? Just, just do it. You've done a few. You just get out and do one this afternoon. What the heck? No big deal, right? But now it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in your physical muscles, and it doesn't work that way in your spiritual faith muscle. Keep exercising it. Keep developing your faith in the Son of God. Keep exercising your faith, reminding yourself that I am a child of God. I am a child of God, and I have the victory that overcomes the world. Thank God for victory in Jesus' name. Amen. So our faith, which is defined in verse 5, here in 1 John chapter 5, it's defined there as he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So don't consider yourself as being a person that doesn't have faith. You are a person of faith. You believe in, in, in Jesus Christ as being the Son of God, and it gives you the victory over the world. We know the one who is truth. Number three says, we know, verse 20, the third we know, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the truth. We can know the truth. To be in truth is to be in him. To be in truth, to be in him then, is not just about being right. You're wrong, I'm right. It's not about that. And our, our, our faith in God, our spirituality should not come across to a world that's under the sway of the wicked one as, uh, uh, well, you're wrong and we're right. 
It, it should not be coming across like that because to be in truth in him then, it's not about being right, but about sharing in the true reality as opposed to falsehood. Throughout his letter, throughout John's letter, he has promoted and defended the full divinity of Jesus Christ. The full divinity of Jesus Christ. That's what truth is all about. And to lose this one conviction, the, the, the divinity of Jesus Christ, to lose that one conviction is to miss not only Jesus, but to miss God himself. John 14 and 6, the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and 6, is probably one of the most concise, compelling, yet controversial statements in all of Scripture. And it states, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. Verse 20 says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God. And this is, this is eternal life. The true God is eternal life. The world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The body of Christ is under the influence of the love of God through the true God and through the divinity of Jesus Christ who has gone to the cross to shed his blood once and for all. He is the one that declared, Jesus is the one that declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Closing statement, dear children, dear children, keep yourself or guard your heart. Be diligent, be alert. Never be passive in your Christian faith. Keep yourself away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. The world being under the sway of the wicked one is constantly putting things before us to try to get our attention, to try to focus on the things of this world rather than to keep our heart full of the love of God. Stay filled with the love of God. Stay filled with the love of God. Don't fear the world. Yes, it's under the sway of the wicked one. Yes, it's powerful, and yes, it can be alluring. Don't fear it. Walk in the love of God. Walk in the wisdom of God. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves us. God so loved all of us that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die at Calvary's cross for us. I'd like to just lead us in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to receive this gift of eternal life. Perhaps you're in the auditorium here with us today or you're participating online. If you never, ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saying, Pastor Ray, I don't have this gift of God's love. I don't have the arsenal within me to overcome this world system that's under the sway of the evil one. But boy, I can see my way out. I can see victory. I, 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 I really want to get in on this. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you want to be involved in that prayer, I want you all to stand up for a moment. You say, I would like to be involved in that prayer today. Would you just stand and just lift up your hands so I know who we're praying for? And if you're online there, just uh, pray with us and, and make sure you connect. Let, let us know. Anyone in the sanctuary right here, just slip up your hand. You say, I want to be included in this prayer and receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Hands raised.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't see any hands raised in here, but if perhaps you're online, let's go ahead and pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you today that you so loved us, that you sent Jesus Christ into this world to shed his blood once and for all. I receive today forgiveness of my sin through Jesus Christ. I repent and I call upon Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I'm a new person from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to share the word with you this morning, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. God bless you.